coming to you pre-recorded from Hell's Oven. This is a special Independence Week episode of 20 Minutes with Big Mike on the Mic. I'm Big Mike, and today we'll be looking at Independence Day, not just the day, the 4th of July. What is the history leading up to it? Why is it so important? Is it just another day to barbecue at the beach? A quick personal note here, adding a little bit of color to the show, you know. Today I started my Couch to 5K program, it's a running interval training program to get you... As a couch potato like Big Mike here, to being able to run a 5K in nine weeks. And the lady who does the voiceover on it, I gotta say, she's become my personal Jillian Michaels. Every time she says, begin running, I just wanna scream, no! and run out of the gym. So, on to the show. For as long as I can remember, the 4th of July has been about the beach, hamburgers, hot dogs, fireworks, and staying up past my bedtime. Of course, in school, they taught us about the Declaration of Independence. They gave us a reason behind the 4th of July, but. It's something that was never emphasized in the culture whenever Independence Day came around. When it came to what we learned in school, it was about a bunch of guys in white wigs and tights that were mad at the King of England, about taxes, and of course John Hancock saying he was going to sign his name so big the King wouldn't need his glasses to read it. There are a couple of phrases that stand out on the Declaration of Independence. There is, of course, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by the Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is the one quote paraphrase that everybody that is paid eh, a little bit of attention to can quote from. Unfortunately today, it seems that what people remember and focus on is, quote, all men are created equal. It's not that this phrase is bad, but it gets turned into something else. It gets turned into everybody should have equal stuff. Another phrase that I remember learning growing up, but I hadn't thought much about until the last couple years, is we pledge to each other, our lives, fortunes, and sacred honor. It wasn't until a little more than a year ago that I paid attention to the part just before that, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. This obviously relates back to the things we discussed in the history section of the last episode. In honor of Independence Day, and because I believe we should spend the day, if not the week, spending some time pondering our independence and what it means, I thought I would read the Declaration of Independence in its entirety, and then have some commentary on it. Maybe we'll throw in some interesting tidbits as well. Is everybody picturing me in a moldy old suit, white tights, and a powder wig? Then off I go. In Congress, July 4, 1776. The Unanimous Declaration of the Thirteen United States of America. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government, and to provide new guards for their future security. 
such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present King of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused to dissent the laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained, and when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodations of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time after such dissolutions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers, incapable of annihilation, have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states, for that purpose obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. He has effected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation, for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with other nations, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free system of English laws in a neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies, for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our government, for suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coast, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny, already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy, scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages, and totally unworthy the head of a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow citizens taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections amongst us, and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. 
In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our immigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They too have been deaf to the voice of justice and of consanguinity. We must therefore acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them, as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war and peace friends. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America and General Congress assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. This declaration was signed by 56 extraordinarily brave souls. Many of them did lose their lives and fortunes. They held together to protect their sacred honor. As I mentioned before, everyone is taught that the Declaration of Independence was about taxation without representation. That is just reason number 17 out of 27 reasons given in the Declaration for the separation from Great Britain. So let's take a look at a couple of these other reasons. The first one I think we're going to look at, and we may be seeing a resurgence of this today. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. I can understand why the founders had a real issue with this one. You keep having more and more agencies and regulation you have to deal with to get anything done. How many of us like going to deal with a DMV? I know, I know, the poor DMV always getting picked on. Just trying to pick something here that everyone can relate to. Here's another one. Over time, it seems you have to go to more and more places and talk to more and more people to get the necessary licenses to open up a business. The next one also led to an amendment in the Bill of Rights. And there goes my script. All right. For quartering large bodies of armed troops among us. For all the kiddies out there on the internet, the quartering of troops refers to the troops saying, I'm going to stay in your house, you're going to feed me, and you're not going to be in reverse, and there's nothing you can do about it. This is definitely something that most of us would not imagine having to do today, but it does happen quite often in the rest of the world. The last one I wanted to bring up was another that led to a constitutional amendment for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury. This, of course, led to the Sixth Amendment. We know, it is as, we know it as a basic truth or right in our society today that you cannot be convicted of a crime unless it is by a jury trial. There are basic natural rights or civil rights that many Americans recognize on the spot immediately, and this is one of them. The Declaration of Independence is the starting point of our nation's laws. If you look at the U.S. Code, it is listed in Volume 1 as part of the, quote, Organic Laws of the United States. U.S. Code defines the organic laws of the United States of America to include the Declaration of Independence, July 4, 1776, the Articles of Confederation, November 15, 1777, the Northwest Ordinance, July 13, 1787, 
and the United States Constitution, September 17, 1787. Dictionary.com defines organic laws as, quote, law determining the fundamental political principles of a government. What does that mean for us today? It means that every law that comes out of Congress should conform to these organic laws. They need to be in harmony. Everything starts with the Declaration of Independence. It also means that we need to be aware of not only what the, these founding documents say, but what led to their creation. What were the options and paths debated by their writers? Hence the need for actual U.S. history to be taught via original sources and not some armchair quarterback version. I do plan to tackle education in my next episode, so fun fun, everybody. What do we know about these men that pledged their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor? History professors and society today would have you believe the founders were all a bunch of racist, old, rich, white slave owners who were at most agnostic. Well, 24 of the 56 signers all held what today would be considered seminary or Bible school degrees. When you read their writings, you see that they were very religious and identified with the fact that God was the creator of all and the one who granted men their agency, their freedom of choice. President George Washington's 1789 Thanksgiving Proclamation read in part, It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. Many of the founders signed their letters, quote, In the year of our Lord. Thomas Jefferson signed his correspondence, In the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Moral issues of the time that led to the push for independence were often ignored. The greatest moral issue of that day was slavery. After several of the colonies moved to abolish slavery in 1773, the King of England in 1774 vetoed those anti-slavery laws and continued slavery in America. It was Declaration signers Benjamin Franklin and Benjamin Rush who started the first abolitionist societies. Following the separation of the colonies from Great Britain, six of the 13 colonies immediately began abolishing slavery. So what was it like for these men to travel the great distances necessary to get to a meeting at the Continental Congress? There weren't planes, trains, or automobiles back then. One of the things the local paper here, the Moapa Valley Progress, has done for 13 years now is post a series of articles put together by benefit capital companies. Every year, this group has released a set of four biographical sketches of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. This year marks the end, as they have now done sketches on all 56 signers. This next bit is quoted excerpts from parts of this article. You can read the whole thing, of course, at MoapaValleyProgress.com. Perhaps it is now time to talk about the hardships most of the delegates endured simply to be physically present at Congress. They could not just hop a plane, train, or bus to commute from their homes. Some had responsibilities back home that necessitated more commuting than others. Many could not travel by the common public transportation of the day, the horse-drawn coach, but rode on horseback, totally exposed to the elements. Many had to travel through marshy land infested in warmer months with insects that infected them with diseases like malaria and yellow fever. Their routes were not paved roads. They were often not roads at all. Instead, primitive Indian trails throughout rugged country where travelers were in danger of attack by those Indians or by highwaymen. When they overnighted, accommodations were usually bare bones, and when they settled down to sleep, they knew not what their situations would be upon awakening. At the least dangerous level, will their belongings be gone? When Congress met in cold water, they shivered. When it met in the summer, they sweltered. The continuing pressure of their work in Congress and at home, along with the physical hardships, often inflicted heavy punishment on their health. Many of the signers of the Declaration died of poor health at a relatively early age, even by that day's standards. We should all be grateful for their sacrifices to bring us the freest nation that has ever existed on the earth. And here's a newsflash for all the youngins out there. Freedom has not been the regular state of things throughout world history. It has usually been tyranny. Freedom as we know it and as we take for granted in our nation is relatively new. Uh, we, we are the first, and that freedom is slowly slipping away. 
Friday night, I had the pleasure of listening to some portions of a great event in Utah. FreedomWorks put on an event called Free the People 2013. There were some amazing speakers. The one that stood out the most to me was Rafael Cruz. He is the father of Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree on this one. Mr. Cruz grew up in Cuba and escaped after Castro came into power. This man came to the States, worked a job as a dishwasher, and put himself through school at the University of Texas. He made sure that his children knew what it was like to live under a communist regime in Cuba and the warning signs that are visible when a country starts to go down a similar path. He had some amazing words of wisdom, and I highly recommend catching the event on YouTube when they get it posted. As a matter of fact, I think that portion just of his speech is already on there. Other notable speakers that I enjoyed were Reverend C.L. Bryant, Utah Senator Mike Lee, and Mia Love. Why do I mention the speakers that were speaking at this event? It's important to learn from great minds and to vicariously live the experiences of some of these individuals to give you a better understanding of freedom and what we risk losing every generation in our country. Uh, in particular, that's why I wanted to make sure I told you about Rafael Cruz. Thanks to progressive writers in the 1920s and 30s, we have the more secularized version of the American founding being taught today. They focus only on a couple of the economic causes for the colony's separation from the mother country and therefore create the narrative that it was all about economics. It had nothing to do with God. The many freedoms curtailed that English law at the time they said they had or the fact that the king just overturned their laws, such as the anti-slavery laws. With this being the case, what else have progressives erased from early American history as it is taught? One of the new traditions I find interesting as our country is a tendency to give everything in every cause its own month. There are so many now that they overlap. One of these, of course, is Black History Month. They seem to teach about the same four or five individuals as though they were the only ones that made any meaningful contributions to American society. That same month, February, is when you had the celebration of Lincoln's and Washington's birthdays, now generally celebrated under the generic President's Day. As a kid, I remember we learned about Washington, Lincoln, and the start of the nation. It is interesting to note that you don't have anyone teaching about any of the black patriots from the Revolution, some of which played a significant role and were heroes. I want to close out the episode with some black history. Thanks to David Barton and the guys at Wall Builders for some of the background here on these great Americans. Few people know today that 5,000 patriots in the fledgling Continental Army were African Americans. That, for example, a hero of the Battle of Bunker Hill was African American Peter Salem. His heroic actions saved the lives of scores of Americans and he was honored before General Washington for his courage. Pastor Lemuel Haynes was involved in several major revolutionary battles and became an ardent admirer of George Washington, regularly preaching sermons on Washington's birthday. The Patriot Preacher, this Patriot Preacher, was the first African American to be ordained a minister by a mainstream Christian faith, the Congregationalists in 1785, to pastor a white congregation, a congregation in Connecticut, and to be awarded an honorary master's degree by Middlebury College in 1804. Yet who today has heard of Lemuel Haynes? Or who has heard of James Armistead, the courageous spy at Yorktown whose remarkable service considerably shortened the war? Or Oliver Cromwell and Prince Whipple, depicted in several famous Revolutionary War paintings, who served directly under General Washington and the General Staff? Or Jordan Freeman, the gallant soldier to whom a monument was erected for his heroic service at the Battle of Groton Heights? Then there is also African-American church history including the amazing story of the Reverend John Morant, the first African-American to evangelize successfully among American Indians, the Reverend Richard Allen, who gained his freedom from slavery, served in the American Revolution, became a preacher in a church of 2,000 whites, and founded America's first black denomination, and the Reverend Harry Hoosier, who delivered the first recorded Methodist sermon by an African-American and drew crowds larger than the great Methodist bishop Francis Asbury.
and consider African-American political history. Who today knows the story of the Reverend Hiram Robes Revels, the African-American missionary who became the first black U.S. senator, or the Reverend Henry Highland Garnet, the first African-American to deliver a sermon in Congress? Oh yeah, they used to have preachers deliver sermons in Congress. Or Joseph Hayne Rainey, who overcame slavery to become the first African-American elected to the U.S. Congress, even presiding over the U.S. House? And the picture of the first seven African-Americans elected to the Federal Congress, all as Republicans, the Reverend Revels is the first from the left and Rainey is second from the right. Or who today has learned that nearly every Southern Republican Party was started by African-Americans, or that the first 190 African-Americans elected to office in South Carolina and the first 112 in Mississippi, the first 42 in Texas, the first 127 in Louisiana, etc., were all Republicans, and many were ministers. So there's a little taste of not just forgotten, but deliberately hidden U.S. history. Remember what Independence Day is celebrated for. Something I think the Israelis have right is how they celebrate their Independence Day. The day before is Memorial Day. They remember those that have made the ultimate sacrifice for their freedom, and then at midnight they start celebrating their independence. It's a good way to keep things in focus. I hope you've enjoyed this special Independence Week episode of the show. Thank you for spending a small bit of your time with me. I hope you were mildly entertained and learned something at the same time. Remember to keep yourself informed and never be afraid to speak out.